ABCC episode 64, my realization of the day. Candyman's narration at the beginning credits of the movie get me so fucking hype. They will say that I have shed innocent blood. What's blood for, if not for shedding? Like, homie has some bars. I wonder which slash would win in a rap battle. I mean, Chucky and Freddy would be pretty strong contenders, but I think our boy Leprechaun has an unfair advantage with his limericks. But we'll have to save that debate for another time. Let's go ahead and start the show. Hello, hello, y'all. It is your boy, Devon Taylor, a.k.a. underscore Daddy Disco, sitting across from my lovely co-host, Mr. Garrett McDowell. Hello, everybody. We're back talking movies, as always. We are back. This is the Bloody Blunt Cinema Club. It is a horror movie podcast where we dive into our favorite franchises and subgenres within the horror genre. And I'm very excited. We get to start a new month. We do. We get to start a new set of things. So um, we're going to kind of like go back and forth between like subgenres and franchises. So um, as much as I love Scream, I am very happy. I I don't think I could possibly say anything else about that franchise that hasn't been said by me in the past couple of weeks. I mean, and it's not even like because like typically like when we cover franchises like it doesn't like burn me out or anything but i think it was the fact that we were doing a franchise that everybody was talking about since it was a new release you know so it's like between not only all the notes and watching of the scream movies but then just like endlessly reading tweets about scream for the past month or so no it's i'm i'm excited to (laughs) um you know i'm glad that we talked about that like we both said that you know made me have a newfound appreciation for that series but because of our theme Mm -hmm. that we have this month with, with I'm sure you will talk about. Um, I think there's going to be a nice sense of a variety, and we're actually talking about a few movies this month that I have never seen before. So I'm very excited to um, dive into those. Yeah, yeah. So we it is February, so it is Black History Month, which means that it we found it pretty fitting to cover black horror cinema this month. Uh, last February we did the lovey dovey stuff, mm-hmm. so now it's time to to get some culture up in you. <laughs> um, I I'm, I am very excited for this. Um, I think we're gonna have some uh, great discussions. We got a couple of uh, really cool guests lined up as well, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, like even next week's movie is a movie that I have not seen. Yeah, and um, depending on what the other guest picks, hopefully it'll be another first one for me too. I think uh, if your letterbox is anything to go by, I don't think you've seen the movie that I picked either. So. Ooh. I didn't did you put it in the thing I, I didn't did last see. night because I we talked about okay. I'm not going to spoil what it is yet but we you and I had talked off air about what I was thinking about doing but then I was I had an epiphany and I was like ooh, I really want to talk about this other movie because I okay. have seen it and it's it's filled with discussion points so okay excited to dive into that well we'll save it for we'll save it um I won't look at it while we record right now I'll look later <laughs> we'll just be talking and you'll just go oh cool <laughs> just like it yeah shout exactly. out loud <laughs> so so we we will hold on to that, and I'm very excited um, for my pick for the month. Um, we are talking Candyman. Mm-hmm. Candyman, 1992. God, I hate that we have to do that now. 
Oh yeah, the, the, I see. Because you got to do it not only for the new ones, you got to do it for the previous ones now too. Yeah, maybe I don't know if there's like a a name on the street for the new one. You know, like a, if like a like a you know a different kind of sub name there. Because they did that with like like the the Lady Ghostbusters movie that came out a few years ago. They were like, it's just called Ghostbusters, and then they like added a tag later. I don't know yeah. if Candyman has earned that one, where it's like Candyman say my name or something like that. I mean, not yet, but they should. Like, yeah. Yeah. Again, like I'm gonna bitch about movie titles so much <laughs> on this podcast. Yeah, but like I miss the I miss the the sublines. Yeah, of totally. It, you know, yeah. like I miss those, or like you know, it's like we don't do that anymore. We don't do numbers now. Yeah, like we're getting rid of that apparently. Yeah. Like, and it's just like ah, like yeah. Good, I think I I think my least favorite trend is just naming it like the name of the person. Like Logan did that, where it's just Logan, which I think is like a cool title. But then like the new Batman, it was just the Batman, and it's just kind of like I get it, I understand. It's, They're like, no, we're going back to basics, stripping all the fluff away. You know, but it's, it's always you know. yeah, it's always one word or the blank. And, and it's like, I feel like they do it maybe because of like marketing, like, you know, then there's less things to fit into your tweet, Yeah, you know, but at the same time, but then when you search stuff, you have to sit there and be like (laughs) Candyman movie, 1992 original. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I'm wondering if people like go on like, you know, their Fandango app or AMC or whatever. And they're like, oh, they're showing Candyman. I've already seen that. And people don't even realize. I'm curious if that's like an actual uh, issue or if you know because of trailers and YouTube and stuff if people kind of catch on I don't know it'd be interesting to see damn requels <laughs> but and it, you know and it, the and that's one thing that I will give the sequels of these movies because these ones they have the 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 sub subtitle yeah. on it mm-hmm. um, the second one is Candyman farewell to the flesh fantastic title <laughs> fantastic title is a really great poster too sounds like a like a mixtape you know it kind <laughs> You're of talking does. about those bars that he has it uh, sounds like his mixtape that is his <laughs> this is it this is that farewell to the flash flesh's Candyman's retirement album nice very good very good <laughs> and then uh the third one is Candyman day of the dead yeah and so cuz we last week you know I was kind of stuck I was like do we save Candyman to like do it for an entire month we have yeah. four movies to choose from however I just didn't think that the uh sequels would have enough for us to sure. talk about the second one is okay it's just kind of lazy they yeah. just they repeat yeah. a lot of the same stuff from the first one but then also they do try to add some more lore but the things they do to try to add the lore are interesting yeah i this is a franchise that i've seen the original and i've seen the newer reboot that came out last year um but i am not very familiar with the sequels at all but you know if we are talking about black horror uh candy is a you know the original candy man is such a an important movie to point to and it's mm-hmm. you know it's a great movie to kind of kick off this month and this theme that we're talking about here and then some of the other ones that we're going to might be a bit older or maybe even a bit newer uh, but I think Candyman really is on the Mount Rushmore of, of black horror movies is absolutely on there. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is for me. Um, this movie is very near and dear to my heart. Like it's one of my it's in my top 10 all yeah. time. Um, it's one of the movies similar to The Fly that like whenever I originally when it stood out to me when I was younger were for certain reasons. Yeah. And then just like as the years have gone, my like love for it has evolved as mm-hmm. I've learned more about it or yeah. the filmmaking techniques behind it or just also yeah realizing like what it meant to me as a I think I watched this when I was like eight. 
and of course I was fucking terrified. Yeah. Um, I had a, I have an older brother who's six years older than me mm-hmm. and, um, my, I have a cousin who's also, they, they're the same age, Yeah. but they were the only, because on that side of the family, there was like no one in between, like no cousins or anyone in between me and them. Mm-hmm. So it was, I was always like, you know, trying to hang out with them, but they yeah. were older. Yeah. So I had to, you know, be tough and had For to sure. be cool, you know? And so they would scare the shit out of me with like, cause they knew I liked scary movies mm-hmm. and, um, like my uncle and my mom, they like understood that like, Oh, you like scary movies. I want to show you things that I think you'll find interesting. Sure. But like my brother and cousin, like, no, we want to scare the shit out of you. <laughs> Typical. So like they, they did the thing where even before I had even seen the movie, yeah. they were telling me about, you know, the legend of bloody Mary and then, mm-hmm. you know, told the story and then we did the Bloody Mary in the mirror. And then, of course, you know, nothing happened. Yeah, they shut but, the door. But here's and, the thing. Yeah. They they did the long game here. So they, they we did Bloody Mary. Nothing happened. So they lured me into a, a <laughs> sense of safety. I was like, oh, yeah, it doesn't work. That's funny. And then my brother turns around. He's like, well, have you heard of Candyman? And I was like, huh? What? No, yeah. I've never heard of Candyman. Yeah. And then they do Candyman. <laughs> and it's me and my brother in the mirror. Yeah. And we'd, you know, say it five times and then he turns off the lights as he turns off the lights. My cousin was in the bathtub behind the shower curtain comes out. And I mean, I'm screaming. (laughs) My mom gets so mad. She's like, what are you guys like? I mean, I was screaming. That's hilarious. Yeah, this is that it's that kind of movie where, you know, the the reputation almost precedes it a little bit. And that that spoken word kind of. Uh, storytelling that you know is kind of the oldest form of storytelling is really present in here and you know I'm sure we're going to talk about it plenty but that's one of my favorite things about this is kind of the myth and the the legend of Candyman because even as someone like myself who's not terribly superstitious or I'm not like a, a, a big believer in paranormal uh, uh, happenings uh, the Candyman kind of saying it in the mirror five times is just something that it's just like I don't fuck around with that stuff man like <laughs> yeah, yeah and like in, in the way that you you know the movie plays so much on legends and myths also like goes into my appreciation for it too as you know the legend of the film itself yeah. you know like yeah because like i said like at the same time like after i you know was got over the initial you know being terrified of the movie i then just like i was like wow i was like this is the first movie i'm seeing where we have where you know the the villain is a, a black person someone yeah. that is you know not typically you know always the characters in the film getting either killed off or you know in fear yeah but they're the ones instilling the fear for once sure and you know we had that that even though yes we had blackula but Candyman yeah. is our true like black dracula he's our black boogeyman sure and like and it really did mean so much for me like see that and like to like mm-hmm. think of how cool that was and then like one year going as Candyman for halloween when i was yeah. too young and nobody understood what yeah. i was doing yeah you know so it's like that iconography of having that you know like you know of when you think about you know the pantheon of yeah iconic horror characters and slashers specifically like you know Candyman is a solid you know like b tier slasher like mm-hmm. i mean i i want to say a tier but his sequels don't do him as much sure. justice as yeah. i would like but yeah. this first film is like just like fantastic so before we get into that of course um, since we're not going to be covering the sequels, 
Um, I don't think at any point we're going to cover Nia DaCosta's Candyman either because mm-hmm. yeah. personally I didn't enjoy it. Um, and yeah. I don't want to, I don't like ragging on movies a bunch on this podcast. Yeah. But like celebrate movies, not, you know, tear a bunch down. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I mean, I'll admit like I disliked it a little bit more, like obviously like when I first saw it and then sitting on it, I was like, okay, it's not as bad as I like was making it out to be. But at the sure. same time, there were things that did just like quite unnerve me about it. Mm-hmm. And then in, in conjunction to like the film itself. But then also, like, I don't know, the conversation around it, because, like, yes, people were very excited that Nia DaCosta was doing it because she is a black woman. Yeah. Candyman 1992 was directed by our British white guy. Yeah. You know, so people have contention with that. Like, okay, yeah, he's telling a black story, but it's still not a black director. How do we feel about that? You know, how do we feel about the depiction of some of the characters? So obviously people were very excited for Nia DaCosta to do it. And I mean, I feel like the importance of that in the conversation of a black person telling a black story kind of gave the movie a little more credit than it deserved. In my opinion, like I was like, I mean, yeah, that's cool. But like they, they don't, they, they touch on the racial themes even less in Nia DaCosta's one. I mean, maybe not less, but definitely not like, they don't she doesn't do more with it like they mention gentrification a lot yeah but it's just kind of they talk about it in the movie and then the third act is like rush so fast to like get to this conclusion of like yeah the idea of you know black men being martyrs and and like it it just didn't all come together yeah. you know for me as far as like the themes and stuff but i feel like everybody was just like it didn't matter because we finally have a black person telling black story not that i'm not happy for her because she directs the shit out of it like she mm-hmm. on a, as far as a technical filmmaker she's fantastic and yeah. like the the production value definitely holds up to the original in that facet um the score is fantastic they're pushing for the score to get a um oscar nomination yeah which would be pretty dope, but um, yeah, I, yeah. So I yeah. mean, aside from the kills, the the new Candyman just didn't yeah. do much for me. You know, I think when telling a story like this, it is so important um, to allow those who the story is about to tell their stories and not have other people tell their stories for them. And that was something that I was really excited for with the new Candyman and the fact that. There's so much that has happened in the past 30 years that you could fold into the story and make it a part of the story. And although I do feel that there were a few things that were brought in, especially with the police brutality angle, I thought that that was really interesting. And Mm -hmm. then how uh, violence in black community is is something that is inherited. uh, And it seems like a hereditary kind of thing, not within black people, but when you have these communities that aren't given proper resources and are continually like stepped on violence and, and things like that are going to perpetrate these, uh, these types of neighborhoods. I thought that that was all really interesting, but I think on the movie on the whole really recycles a lot that the original Candyman had to say. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of conversations that are just that they're just conversations yeah. and they're just people kind of talking about ideas. I didn't think that they did a great job of showing those ideas. Um, 
uh, I, I think the movie could have done a better job at showing the 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 gap uh, in these white neighborhoods or these uh, you know the, in these uh, kind of housing projects that the first movie is is you know so steeped in. And I felt mm-hmm. like we get a lot of a bigger a better picture of Cabrini Green and the housing project in the first movie than we do in the second one, or uh, not the second one, but the the reboot. Also, I felt like the new movie. Um, on top of recycling a lot of those those um those angles there the 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 kind of body horror element i thought was a little unique um i thought that that like yeah. seeing someone kind of transform into this creature was kind of in the same way that you I mean you talked about the fly earlier on um s- similar kind of uh, mm-hmm. uh vibes to that where you're watching this person like mm-hmm. kind of slowly deteriorate into this into this um thing which i thought was was kind of a unique angle but the fact that you know the the themes are very similar also the fact that there are i think three sequences in the new movie where they just recap events that happened in the first one through like the little puppets that they have mm-hmm. or just somebody telling someone a story i believe i i'm looking at my review that i wrote at the time because uh, it's been a, a while since i've seen the movie but yeah, there was. I remember in the movie there was like three sequences where they're just telling you events that happened in the first movie. And if you're a fan of that movie, it seems just kind of like, yeah, I know, I saw it. Well, it's, it's funny because they like you know? did it, and then they also like did it in a way where it's like the way of like the story getting twisted, how it gets twisted in the media. So it's like not the exact yeah. replication of it yeah. either. Yeah, I mean, the, the, there's a lot of interesting ideas in that movie. Yeah, but I just don't think any of them like were fleshed out <laughs> yeah but um because like yeah the body horror angle and someone becoming came man interesting idea but like the way that they wrote anthony's character made no sense sure and then like coleman domingo's character like coming in at the end like that whole thing just made no sense you yeah know, there's a lot of interesting ideas um but i just yeah i don't i didn't it, it's fine it's yeah. fine. I'm happy it exists for people. And, um, you know, and there are still things to like about it. I just wish it got held to the same criticisms that this one all of a sudden, because it's like this movie was interesting because like people, it was a little slept on in the 90s, but it was pretty known. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of had this uh, resurgence of appreciation. And then it kind of went back down again as like people start criticizing it for a you know the angle of well it's bernard bernard rose telling the story not a black director but and we'll get into this with the official introduction now but like last thing i'll say is like aside like the the idea of like you know in the reboot we do have a black director telling this black story and this one i almost i don't even look at as like a black story necessarily Mm -hmm. it is and, and it like features prominent black themes in it for sure yeah but even more so i feel like it's bernard rose like taking white people down a peg which is equally as satisfying for me yeah you know it's hard for me to say as a a, like i can't get any whiter uh, white man to say like you know um whether this this new reboot was given you know improper praise because of maybe that token black filmmaker um mm-hmm. it's hard for me to say uh but generally you know i i i enjoyed it i liked it i was just a little disappointed because i was so excited for it and i i i, I thought the promise of that movie could have been um a lot greater than what we were delivered but i still i still liked it but a lot of the things that i did like about it i also really liked about this original movie uh which i am um, excited to talk about today yeah, so let's go ahead and get to it. Willem Dafoe. Oh! 
Candyman, released October 16, 1992, directed by Bernard Rose, based off of the short story by Clive Barker, The Forbidden, which is in his Book of Blood anthology. It's the same anthology where The Midnight Meat Train and Rawhead Rex also come from, which were also made into a movie. Um, and of course, if you don't know Clive Barker's name, he's a prolific horror writer who has also had many of his works adapted to the screen, um, most notably Hellraiser a few years before this film came out. Candyman and the story originally took place in England, but Bernard Rose thought it would be more interesting to move it to a more urban uh, setting of Chicago, specifically the um, housing projects of Cabrini Green, which is a real um, place. It's very not very uh, far away from where I grew up, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. And um, the score is done by legendary composer Philip Glass, who is kind of embarrassed or at the time was embarrassed to do the score. I Mm -hmm. think there was like he didn't know exactly the movie he was scoring when he agreed to it. Mm -hmm. But then he had already like signed the contract. So he had to do it. So he does it and he goes the fuck off on it because he is Philip Glass. But he is Philip Glass is also kind of a pretentious guy. And so he like thought he was like, you know, above doing a slasher movie like even the way he still talks about it now, like he's come around now, but he's come around because like, it's one, like it's a very high selling, um, movie score as far as like vinyl and, um, the soundtrack and stuff goes. So he, so he, he, in interviews will always be like, he'll be like, yeah, but, uh, the score is a classic now and I still get checks from it. (laughs) So, uh, kudos. All that matters. Yeah. (laughs) Get the bag. Like Philip Glass said, I will get the bag and I, cannot disrespect him for that and at least he chasing the bag he he put it in he put in the work you know he didn't yeah. he didn't half ass it he could have if he wanted to but he did not so thank you for that yeah i'm sure we'll dive into it you know later on when we get to the style but you know is talking about the things that stand out about that movie the score is absolutely one of them it is it's really uh singular in that it doesn't really sound like any of its peers it sounds no. like ex- exactly like this movie and and nothing else it's it's excellent but yeah i'm excited to you know dive into to everything about this movie because it's it's one that um you know i i i want to love a lot more than i do i like this movie but um you know being able to talk to someone like yourself who this is like a favorite of theirs like top 10 i'd love to be able to gain some insider perspective as to you know not necessarily like convincing me why um but just gaining that insight of like what this movie Mm -hmm. means to you and you know things that that connect with you uh while watching this movie but you know i really like Candyman, uh but it's just not it's not one of my absolute favorite you know horror movies of all time so i'm uh, excited for our little conversation here yeah it's a it's a combination of a lot of different things that this film does for me um, whether it be how it makes me feel personally, but then also um, it scratches a lot of filmmaking techniques that just that that really do it for me. Whether it be the like dreamlike uh, cinematography done by Anthony B. Richmond, it kind of has this soft haze to it. The color palette has all these pinks and browns and reds. It like feels like warm, but also fleshy, yeah. like very appropriately so. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's like between that, the look, the sound, it just does a lot for me in that aspect of because, it, 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 again, like it's so interesting that I feel like a lot of people might have 
maybe have seen like the sequels before they saw this one yeah and, you know because those ones especially the third one do loop it into just like kind of the typical cheesy slasher and this movie is so just like not it like and like For a sure. lot of people assume it is i don't know i mean i think Candyman sounds creepy as hell but i don't know if people like maybe think the name sounds silly or just of the fatigue of yeah. that trope, you know, the, the yeah. something man. You sure. Know. Yeah. You know, the, growing up, this was a this was actually a movie that I watched later in kind of my my horror, you know, my horror life. I think I watched this movie in college for the first time. Um, but this was always one of those movies, especially as a kid, that I had known about way before I saw the movie. And I was aware of kind of the mm. legend of Candyman. And it was one of those that I would like, especially this cover with the, the bee on the eye. Uh, which, by the way, got stung by a bee the first time like a week ago. So now I have like an even more found newfound appreciation for this movie. I was, you know, coming out of his mouth and everything. It Can't knew. even imagine. But yeah, the bees <laughs> knew. Anyway, I uh, this was one that I would be like at the if you're from the Midwest at your local family video. Shout mm-hmm. out family video. Yeah. Um, but I would be like, you know, walking the aisles. And this was one of those movies that I can remember um, that I would see the cover of and just be like, I know I'm not allowed to rent that one, but what is that? You know, it just really kind of uh, freaked me out. That cover with the with the bee on the eye and then the silhouette of mm-hmm. Candyman and that is is really terrifying. But it's yeah, such a good poster. The the oh. kind of that boogeyman bloody mary kind of spoken word you know uh, mythology of this movie is something that really preceded even watching the film for me so being able to watch it and kind of learn the legend and put a face to the to the name so to speak was uh was great and it's also great to just you know check off one of those horror movies that you had never seen but yeah being able to watch it uh, knowing what I was going into again for this and being able to look for those details and really be able to soak it all in. I really felt like I was, um, able to appreciate it more than just, you know, a little bit more of the surface level of kind of the first time watch. Yeah. And it's like, and again, it's like you, as you can tell, like, you know, from like talking about the poster and, um, you know, the covers and stuff, it has all the things like, you know, this movie has the, the iconography, whether it be him with the hook hand, Mm -hmm. the bees, like it's all very, it's all there, you know? So it, it still, again, like surprises me as to why this didn't take off more, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know if it was just because by the nineties, like it was 92. So like we are pretty spent on slashers by that point. Sure. Um, Freddie is holding on for dear life at that point. Yeah. Um, Chucky's still going a little bit. Jason a little bit too. And Jason's still going a little bit or actually no. And um, and Michael's going too. Yeah. Michael's going. Chucky was on a break at this point too. We did get one Leatherface movie in there too, but like people were just kind of spent on them and you know, didn't exactly give this a chance but then also the, uh, in the early 90s we were getting more of these um you know like more glamorous like regal um uh, types of horror movies like you know um what you know there's a lot of influences i forget which one came out first but um the dracula from the 90s you know the bram stoker's dracula yeah 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 mm-hmm. yeah the coppola one yeah yeah so it's like in so like there were people that were like take making attempts to take this trope and like take the slasher and like make it you know more um more classy they're trying to class it up yeah and, and as far as like subgenre stuff goes like yeah this is a slasher movie but it leans into um you know the gothic romance of it the tragedy of it and again it just like kind of has this 
psychological dream like mm-hmm. thing to it. It's very psychological. Uh, psychological too more than like the visual slashing too because like sure. I mean, half the horror of this movie is Helen getting gaslit to death like <laughs> yeah yeah it's 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 kind of nostalgic in that way too and something that I noticed is the way that Helen and that romance angle uh, that you were talking about the way that Helen is shot is very like soft focus and nostalgic in the way that they light her eyes like how they would in like a noir movie from like the 1940s uh so there's a movie that you're going to talk about in the movie math section but i think that kind of gothic romance angle is definitely a part of this to where you kind of have the beauty and the beast and this you know creature who is handsome and attractive and he's got this really luscious alluring voice to him but he's also this nightmare man he was you know literally a thing of nightmares you know uh kind of of preying on this woman but you know i don't know uh you know when you're wanting to talk about that but that was always something that was a little bit troublesome for me um and the idea of that you have this black antagonist which i think is was great and you know and especially coming in like a a post 1980s horror landscape where it's literally just filled with creepy men with some kind of bladed mm-hmm. weapon killing someone. The fact that he has, you know, this hook hand is, is unique in and of itself. But the fact that uh, something that has always bothered me is that Candyman seems to always plague his own uh, his his own kind, if you will, like his mm-hmm. his this Cabrini Green neighborhood has been has been plagued by him. It's kind of a black mark for them. Uh, it's something that nobody else besides this neighborhood believes in. Um, so he continues to kind of be a problem for them. Um, yes, the antagonist of the movie is a white woman, but I think that that also kind of paints a portrait that isn't maybe as um, nuanced as I would hope that this movie would be. It kind of. I think it kind of could could be seen as portraying black men as violent because I feel like there's very few instances where black people aren't seen as violent in this movie. I don't know. What do you what do you think about that? No, I mean, yeah, there, that is definitely um, one of the criticisms is like, yeah, we have a black man villain seducing a white woman. Yeah. And he's also killing black people himself. Yeah. And but it also it ties into like, I mean, we'll kind of get into a little bit later, like of like how detailed Candyman, like how detailed and petty Candyman's motivations and plans are. Because mm-hmm. like, yeah, we get it, dude. You had a bad rap. But like what his like because it all plays into what he's doing. He knows that to grow his story it like he, he's not thinking like because like Candyman, like, yeah, he's a black man, but he's also not like. He's not like a, a Martin Luther King or Malcolm X to this neighborhood or anything. So no. he, he doesn't care about his people. You yeah. know, he yeah. cares about his own legend and he know and, he, and it's sad in that way that maybe as a black man, he understands that, you know, the, the tragedy found in his people's pain and suffering mm-hmm. is what leads to, you know, these, you know, gives power to these stories. Yeah. You know, makes them more powerful. And which is fucked up like that. He is willing to inflict pain on his own people just to, you know, continue his story and use Helen to do it, you Uh know, um, while still punishing her, too, because like, you know, Helen's a very complicated final girl as well. And, you know, kind of puts herself in these positions, does unlikable things, has hubris about her. Um, So before we like get into the story stuff, in case people have not um, watched the movie recently, 
We want to hit our uh, 60 second synopsis, Garrett. I'm ready. Ready as I'll ever be. Let me do my stretch beforehand. Limber up. Don't want to pull a hammy doing this 60 second uh, uh, plot synopsis. So I'm ready. Here we go. All right. One minute on the clock. Three, two, one, go. All right. So you've got Helen Lyle, who's portrayed by Virginia Madsen. Uh, She's a graduate student and she is working on her thesis uh, and she's working on the uh, urban legends and urban myths. Uh, She wants to stand out from the crowd and not just talk about the same old same old, which leads her to the legend of the candy man. Uh, Rumor has it if you say his name, I believe it's five times in the mirror, he will pop up behind you and he will kill you quickly. She hears all of these these stories about this person who was murdered or wound up missing and then she's trying to piece it all together, which leads her to the Cabrini Green housing project, which is in Chicago, trying to uncover the myth and the mystery of who this person is. Why has he been plaguing this this housing project for so long? What is his backstory? How did he, uh, you know, attain the sense of legend? Uh, and turns out Candyman has something to say about that too. So he, in and of himself, is kind of investigating Virginia and trying to uh, allure her to his own little uh, mischievous doings. So time up. I'd say you hit the synopsis pretty well. Um, it's pretty straightforward, and but it does kind of go in these interesting ups and downs, like throughout the different acts of. You know, first it starts out of like you know this investigation. Mm-hmm. Helen's interested in this myth and this story. Um, and like, you know, she, she wants this glory. She's married to a professor and like, you know, he's obviously had whatever his academic successes and then she, she wants hers. Mm -hmm. And so, but her friend Bernadette, you know, tells her like, no, you know, this isn't like, that's a non-neighborhood we should be in. That's not our world. Like we shouldn't like go prying, especially like, cause uh, once these killings start coming up. And because she's not investigating the killings because she cares about the killings, she's investigating them because she cares about her thesis. Yeah. So, you know, Helen, you know, it does have these, these complicated motives and like, you know, and people criticize at the end of the movie, you know, of her, um, you know, saving baby Anthony from the fire and like killing Candyman. And then they like kind of have this funeral procession for her. And then it's like, oh, so now all of a sudden we're going to like, are we going to give her credit? And like people kind of talk about Helen kind of being, you know, a white knight in a sense um, for, for this film. But for me, honestly, like in the more that I go back and watch it and then especially like after watching came in 2021, Mm -hmm. like it does remind me that like, I don't think this movie at any point, like is like presenting Helen to be like a, a likable hero, you know, like, I'm, I feel like they show her like pretty, pretty plainly to be like, Hey, she's not exactly the best person. Um, I won't say she has like, you know, ill intent for anything either, but I definitely, you know, and I feel like that's off putting for people just in general. They're used to the final girls being somebody that they can root for. And then, but here we have somebody that's like, we're not exactly rooting for. And then, you know, she starts off kind of very, strong and proactive but like over time she's just kind of continuously broken down and then you know eventually she is under the spell of candy man yeah um you know as you know letting her interests go too far mm-hmm. so you know i feel like um you know just for the fact that she's not the classic final girl you know is a little off-putting for people but like um i think helen just being a complicated character in general is very compelling 
Yeah. Um, and Virginia Madsen is fantastic. One of the fun facts for this is like all those like dreamlike uh, sequences where she's being seduced by Candyman's voice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And she like has that blank stare in her in her eyes is because she's hypnotized. Um, they worked with a, a hypnotist like prior to filming. Interesting. And the hypnotist gave Bernard Rose a word that he could do to put Virginia <laughs> Madsen under for certain scenes, That's which hilarious. is hilarious and interesting. And luckily, Virginia Madsen was a very good sport about it. Like yeah. she thought it was like an interesting like acting challenge. So like she was sure. into it. Yeah. Until you know, eventually, it like got to a point where she like did a whole uh, like a whole like day of filming and just like couldn't remember like anything like she didn't know anything that she had done (laughs) and like that like was like off-putting and that was like towards the end of production then like at that point that's when she was like okay i'm done and then you know rose obliged she didn't yeah push or anything so she was a very good sport about it um and i admire that you know the commitment to get that because like i mean man like virginia and madsen's eyes are doing 80% 80% of the acting in that's this what movie. they say the soul that's the eyes of the soul you know um, but yeah you're talking about her as a um, as a protagonist um, I you know I, I never find myself particularly rooting for her I feel like she's more of a vehicle to get delivered all of this news and I think what makes her compelling to me is yes the the different kind of flavor that she brings to being the final girl is that she's not necessarily pure or the kind of young virgin that we're used to seeing. Mm-hmm. She's she's a little bit older. Um, she's, you know, studying this part of culture that isn't necessarily hers. And something that is, you know, made a point of in this movie is that she wants to stand out and she wants to be different from some of her peers and she doesn't want to cover the same old, same old. And the same way that she, in her apartment, if you look around, she has, like, various kind of, like, tribal, like, traditional kind of, like, African masks on the wall. Um, I think she's using this urban legend kind of as the same thing. It's kind of just decoration, you know? She's Mm -hmm. not fully appreciating what this Mm -hmm. legend means and what it's also kind of done to this community. She's really only using it as a means to an end, Um and, you know, like we talked about, there is some complications in regards to the her being a victim and, and, and Candyman being the perpetrator of that. I know it's it's complicated and it's kind of hard to discuss because would you rather a black man be the perpetrator of violence or be the victim of violence? Because it seems to be either or in horror, you know. Um, yeah. So I, mean, I, I can understand that perspective. But, yeah, I think it is it, this does take an interesting angle on her like kind of you know, desire to just study this culture and kind of view it as under a magnifying glass versus, you know, kind of fully appreciating what's happening there. I mean, yeah, there's there's a lot of questions in general of, you know, victims throughout this movie, Um, you know, whether it be, you know, there's killings going on in the housing projects and the cops can't get anything done. But as soon as Helen gets attacked in a bathroom, you know, she mentions this too. Totally. You know, she mentions this uh, unfairness to it and like, then they like, boom, find it. Mm. Um, But then, you know, there's also the aspect of, you know, Helen, how much of a victim is she? Because we also like live in a society where, you know, and rightfully so, we don't, when someone is claiming to be a victim, we want to believe the victim first, you know, yeah. and not question the victim Yeah, or question like, you know, like basically of like saying like, okay, 
Helen digging around and Cabrini doing the things that she shouldn't. You know, mm-hmm. she's going to people's apartment. She's like getting, you know, yeah. talking to kids and yeah. like doing all this inappropriate stuff. So it's like, okay, do we get to a point where we say, does Helen deserve this quote unquote? And sure. it's like, you never want to question that in a victim circumstance in general. Yeah. So I think it's interesting, you know, the, the way that, Bernard Rose approached Helen as a character and like just the themes of being a victim in general. Sure. Um, I think is really interesting. Yeah. I, I, I think there's also something to be said for the fact that, you know, there is kind of this stigma and the, the new movie addresses it, I think pretty well too, but kind of this idea that her wanting to do the Candyman kind of ritual, if you will, is such like white people shit where it's like <laughs> kind of the idea. And the, again, the second, the newest one addresses it uh, very good uh, directly oh, yeah. where black people are like, I'm not fucking yeah, around with that, man. Like, black person is like, no. <laughs> yeah. But there's that scene. Um, I think it's even in the trailer for the new one, but where they're saying like, you know, who would want to do this? And then it cuts to like, in the trailer cuts to like five high the, school, the girls. High school yeah. kids. Yeah. And it's kind of the same <laughs> idea here. Um, where you have the Bernadette is the friend and she's like really unwilling to kind of participate time, in all of this thing. Time. And then, you know, uh, uh, Helen is like gung ho on doing it. So I think, I think that that is something kind of funny where white people have this kind of desire to seek out paranormal stuff to where every other character is like, Hey man, no thanks. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and it's interesting because that's another criticism too is, um, you know, people are always like, you know, okay, we feature Bernadette and of course it's the typical, like not the typical, are you okay? Best friend girl, but she gets a little more to do than are you okay? But then at the end of the day, she's the one trying to talk Helen out of it this whole time, blah, blah, blah. And then she ends up getting killed for it, you know, and people are like, that feels shitty for her character. But again, I feel like it makes sense for this, you know, this, um, you know, portrayal, this, this, you know, what we are being shown of Helen yeah. as a character. And I feel like it makes sense. And like, I've seen other people go, well, why wouldn't Bernadette just like, why couldn't the movie be about Bernadette? Why couldn't she be the person that's like, okay, but then would you actually want that? Would you sure. still want to have Candyman now terrorizing a young black woman. Yeah, it's like I feel like that's worse than yeah. It, it, you know, it because is. again, at least like you know he's you know coming for Helen, but also you know like she's an unlikable character kind of deserves some of it. You yeah, know? It, so it, it's it, it's interesting. It is kind of that trolley problem of I had mentioned earlier of like well you have the Candyman and would you know yes it's kind of the historical role of having this black monster for the first time being portrayed but then you also kind of have the cliche of the the black guy always dies first in slasher movies and so it's it's it is hard to like balance that of like okay well do you want him to be the perpetrator of violence or do you want them to be victims and I understand it can be kind of a, a fine line to to walk here I think my issue with with the, the portrayal of Candyman in this movie and something that I do think the new movie does a little bit better is the fact that when you bring in that story um, of the Candyman and that he was kind of this very sought after painter and he had this relationship with this white woman and you know because of that uh, of course you know he was he was you know, strung up by white people and was, was attacked with these bees Mm -hmm. and they, they mutilated him, you know, that, that is, is something that I think because his 
his death was directly as a result of, you know, essentially the equivalent of like lynching. You know, it seems it seems like an odd choice for me that he would continue to, you know, uh, attack his own neighborhood or attack his because mm-hmm. it, it happened in Cabrini Green, the original place that that took yeah. place. So I understand that it could be kind of, um, you know, this this black mark on this town. And I think it's interesting that the apartment complex that Helen lives at is built over Cabrini Green. So it's now kind of their problem. But I think the movie takes such uh like a glancing blow at this kind of uh addressing this kind of issue that i don't really know entirely where the movie falls on it Mm -hmm. um i think there is something to be said for the fact that you could have that that vagueness to where it's it's kind of up to you to differentiate what the movie's trying to say but i think i would have preferred the movie to kind of land a little bit more on on what it's trying to really say about this because i think it I feel like it doesn't think that hard about it, unfortunately, you know, and it just kind of mm-hmm. wants Candyman to be this boogeyman figure. And, oh, how did that happen? You know, well, he's got this tragic backstory, but it doesn't really feel like everything else. I feel like there's a the first chunk of this movie is really methodical and, and slower and, and mindful. And then I think it gets to a certain point, particularly when uh, Candyman is trying to romance Helen, that it feels a little bit more kind of haphazard for myself. Yeah, I mean, the movie definitely does like, you know, I I feel like it's they they are doing they're doing the right thing, like they have the right intentions and message behind what they're doing. Mm-hmm. It's just in some of the execution, like maybe it's just not big enough, like sure. you know, this idea of like, yeah, like cuz we do have Helen as a stand-in for, you know, she's more a little bit more well off. She's, you know, like above, you know, yeah, metaphorically above. She's literally above this, you know, you know, in regards to like height, like her apartment is literally like towering above this housing project. (laughs) Yeah. Which also reflected a little bit in the opening credits as they do the opening credits from above the city, uh, which is fantastic. Yeah. But um, so it's like they do that. But then they're also, you know, they are, you know, we're still killing black people within the neighborhood, causing all this fear doing all these things just so that way we can gaslight and terrorize this one white woman. Yeah. Like maybe they should have went a little bit bigger in there, you know, in the aspirations of like how they're going to tackle this theme versus we're going to do all this just to teach one white woman a lesson. Yeah. You know, I feel like, so I I do kind of get that in a way. Yeah. But then that's why I kind of like in the second half, I think they stop trying like it, which I feel like, you know, some people might see as a weakness that mm-hmm. like they kind of stop trying to do the deeper themed stuff. And like once they kind of aren't because I feel like in the first half, maybe in that first act, like Bernard Rose knew that like, OK, if I am going to tell the story, I do need to address some of these things. Yeah. But maybe ad- but I don't think addressing these things were a particular um, you know, top priority for him. Sure, like, sure. I feel like he was more, I feel like he was more in just interested in the character itself. Yeah. This way that legends and myths work and like, cause that's what really takes, you know, over in the second half Yeah, is Candyman convincing Helen to join him. You know, we're, because if you, if you're a story and you're a ghost, you live forever and you yeah. live in stories. Yeah, totally. And, um, you don't have to suffer in pain. Like he like, yeah. you know, so it's like they, they really take all that stuff and like do that in the second half. I feel like that's maybe more where Rose was more interested, but yeah. he still, you know, 
took the time to be like, I know I do need to address some of these themes. Yeah, yeah. I think that's maybe. A lot of the the ideas that I'm talking about here are, are definitely, sh- they're shades of in this movie. This movie is not fully about that, uh, about those things. And it is a, a, excuse me, it is a complex issue to discuss in a 90 minute horror movie. I understand that. Mm-hmm. And I do think, yeah, you know, when you get to the kind of the second half of the movie, the the horror of this really shifts to where you have that that gaslighting that you were talking about and that idea that this this woman has no way to plead her case and i really think the movie's successful in making her feel kind of hopeless in a way mm-hmm. um and the the fear that comes along with nobody trusting you i know that is kind of like a trope with horror movies of like no you don't understand this thing is happening and they're like yeah sure okay but in this there's that sequence to where she's in the hospital and Candyman is like hovering over her and then after that they show like the security mm-hmm. footage and it's like nobody's there and it's not like something that had been wiped or altered or oh if she only had that one ex if that person only got there a little bit sooner they would be able to see it's nothing like that it's like no this is something truly out of your understanding or your Mm -hmm. control it's truly supernatural and i think a lot of the fear and paranoia does kind of come out of that 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 sense that it's like you're kind of on your own kiddo like nobody understands what's happening and i like i like the transition to of it you know because you know, the first 40 minutes of this movie, um, you know, Candyman, to our knowledge, is just the, uh, the name that a gang leader was using to instill fear into his neighborhood. So yeah. it's like we have that idea of like using the name and um, the legend, you know, and the power of stories. Mm-hmm. So I like that, you know, we get this whole first 40 minutes of, you know, that. And then once we do it's like, you know, now it's like the story is coming to life, you know, yeah. when we do finally get this first appearance of them. Yeah. It takes 44 minutes. Yeah. Uh, to, to almost to the minute but for his, our first uh, actual appearance of Candyman. His Man. introduction, though, is really powerful and Man. it's very memorable, too, because where you have that, you do have that kind of false sense of security of like, oh, maybe this legend is just some punk kid, you know, and maybe it's not an actual thing and it can be explained, mm-hmm. you know, rationally. And then when she's in the parking garage and you just see those two feet with this big burly coat on there, which I I do want to talk a little bit just about the design oh, of Candyman. I mean, we're here it's, now. Yeah, it's really uh unique and interesting and the fact that Tony Todd is like he's not like he's a good looking guy and he's got this very luscious voice and this like kind of debonair kind of quality him versus someone like uh Freddie or Leatherface where they're like disfigured and gross yeah yeah yeah. but you know he's this gentleman and it is kind of this you know uh phantom of the opera kind of thing not in the 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 disfigured part but in like the regal sense to him and you talked about it being from England that which also kind of brings in Mm -hmm. that regalness to it as well um but yeah he does kind of have this sexy kind of Jack the Ripper vibe to him too and you know and it's it is kind of this gothic romance he is very like hypnotic and i think the voice is doing a lot of heavy lifting here too (laughs) i mean yes i mean again like this is obviously there's so much to you know appreciate from this movie but again like the the creating such an iconic and distinct character is always going to be more interesting yeah to me than like you know story stuff a lot of the time sure and just like i mean one one of the best 
coats in horror oh, yeah. movies. 100%. One of the best coats in movies. I would say uh, definitely in, in movies, period. Yeah. I mean, fantastic. I mean, Candyman, he's got the look. He's got the drip. Like, yeah, again, like, I love that. Yeah, we yeah. didn't take the opportunity to be like, okay, we got the black killer, but, yeah. oh, he's actually got four yeah, eyes well, and, it, and he's, he's gross and he's yeah. covered in hair. Like, no, we get the yeah. sexy yeah. black Dracula man. Yeah. And well, it he, matches his character too, of like his mm-hmm. backstory of being this yeah, person who kind of comes from a richer family and mm-hmm. a painter, and this woman falls in love with him. You know, it would be weird if he was like really horrifying and gross looking. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it's got a lot of Tony Todd himself into it. Tony Todd is a you know Shakespeare background yeah, type of guy. Totally. I mean, he is. Um, he's six five. He's a humongous man. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to interview yeah, Tony Todd. Yeah, you did. Um, during uh, the Hellfest uh, press circuit, which was just a fucking dream. Yeah, like, I was I was shaken, but he was so cool. <laughs> I mean, his like it's so crazy. Like what his voice sounds like in person. Like there's not much alteration to his voice. Like in the movie, like they put a little extra verb on there, just to, like kind of give it that you know a little yeah. uh, a little more heft to it. But yeah. like his voice like literally like vibrates when he talks oh yeah like it's so just like it's so smooth he is so hot in this movie it's insane (laughs) um yeah yeah, and he does have just like this like seduction angle to him and um as you know and that's you know what we get to see a lot of this in the movie is like you know even when he's not on screen just like the presence of his voice um you know when he's talking to helen in her in her head um, but then also like, I mean, again, like those opening credits, like his opening monologue just like sets the tone mm-hmm. so well for the movie. It gives yeah. me chills every time I like pump my fist and yell it at the, at the TV while I'm watching. <laughs> like, ah, it's so good. And just yeah. like, there was like, it, so I'm a, I'm a, um, out myself. So, you know, I'm ready. I've, 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 uh, pirated some movies in my day. Okay. And so the main version of Candyman I've been like watching is one of those versions. And I think I might have been like missing a scene. Oh, wow. Because I, I rented it on Amazon to watch today. Yeah. And there was a scene that I was like, I really do not remember this. And it's the scene where um, when they're transporting Helen to the psych to the psych ward Mm -hmm. and she's driving in the car and the flashing lights and it's like green and pink like flashing on her face and then she has Candyman doing a monologue yeah and i don't know if i had ever even heard it we gotta get you a a blu-ray of Candyman, man come on it's one of your top 10 movies and you're pirating that come on this was a while ago i have not pirated (laughs) a movie in years um I, i i'm out the game um i am out the game but it was like a whole scene and had a monologue that I was like, holy shit, I don't know if I've, I mean, I'm sure I've, you know, I've watched real versions yeah. in the past, but like, it, it was, it yeah. yeah, so it was like it won, like, cause like, it's like one of the few scenes where we get like really vibrant colors. Yeah. Um, and this is like, you know, they're transporting her to the psych ward. So this is her going into like the deepest form of like this hypnosis, this spell that she's under. Yeah. And she's really struggling with it at this point. And Tony Todd um, starts uh, monologuing. He says, I am rumor. He's like, it's a blessed life to be a story, to exist in people's dreams without having to be. And I was like, damn, that's fucking bars right there. Like, yeah. he, he's so good. Yeah, he, he does kind of have this... Um 
way of words that is also kind of unique. A lot of slasher killers don't talk as much. You know, Freddy's and, and, and Chucky and Hellraiser 2 are a little bit of exceptions, but I think he, he's a lot more than just this person that shows up when you do the thing and then kills you. He, he really is this this unique, romantic kind of uh, figure. And, it, you know, it makes him stand out other than just being... Oh, he's the black one. You know what I mean? Like he mm-hmm. really does have this distinct style to them, and, and I think Tony Todd is is a reason that this character has withstood the test of time and and really um uh, really resonated with with um with fans and even people who haven't seen this movie. Like I said, he kind of precedes this. Even even watching it, the legend is is kind of grown grown, mm-hmm. grown larger. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, he has a sexual nature just in general about him, like not only his look, and then we have the seduction angle in the movie. Yeah. Even when he kills people, it's very sexual. Like he grunts, yeah. like, and there's lots of squishing and splashing. Yeah. I mean, him and him and him and Pinhead would either be best friends or <laughs> worst enemies. Like they'd either be biggest rivals because yeah. like they both like like the poetry, yeah. the slam poetry type shit. Yeah. But then you know they also into like their freaky shit. Mm-hmm. You know they're all about it. They're yeah. and so it's like I don't know would they lots be of, the best of yeah. friends? Lots or? of hooks too. You know. Lots just, of yeah. hooks. Oh man. Okay. Yeah. They would be best friends. <laughs> I, I think they would just link up hooks. That would ha- that's how they would dab up. You know? I mean, I do want I do want the rap battle between. Pinhead and, oh, and Candyman. One. Yeah. But I think they would be friends in the end. Well, uh, both Clive Barker. So, yeah, Clive Barker clearly has, I don't know how much of Tony Todd's performance is from the, the Forbidden short story um, or how much he based that off of. But, yeah, Clive Barker does seem to have this kind of fascination with, like, regal-looking, uh, uh, mm-hmm. you know, villains who are very sexual uh, in a way. Hellraiser is the very much the BDSM. The dude's in all leather and is loves pain, you know? Like, it doesn't take a, a huge stress, st- stretch to think about that. But, yeah, both actors also come from, like, the Shakespearean mm-hmm. background. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it is very, very obvious that that's, you know, uh, a, a kind of a fixation point for him very yeah very true and and i do want to cover the hellraiser movies at some point this year we will they get we'll discuss that they get wild man yeah we'll discuss that there's a lot going on in there and we'll it's gonna be a very strategic game plan for that (laughs) but i do want to do this undertaking at some point but anyways um yeah tony todd like and it's so great like he you know in other interviews and like in the interview i did with him like you know he is very proud of this character you yeah, know as he, he should would, be he would go on to i mean he's easily the best part of the sequels yeah um yeah like especially in the second one um he definitely gets a, a lot more to do and um which is really nice yeah um and yeah he loves the character he was very dedicated to it um, so much so that, you know, they were filming with real bees. Yeah. Um, he like actually put the bees in his mouth. Like yeah. he had like a, one of those like dental guards in his mouth, but they like put it in. Yeah. Apparently the, the bees for this movie were like bred specifically for the movie. Mm-hmm. So they would be like kind of modified in a way. Yeah. Because um, babies, their stingers aren't as developed as um, yeah. as adult ones. They yeah. had to also like develop this like pheromone. Yeah. To like keep them because Virginia Madsen was allergic to bees. 
Oh my so God. So that's scary. Yeah. And then um, Tony Todd also negotiated into his contract um, that they would pay him an extra $1,000 for every beasting. Yeah. So he got stung 23 times. Yeah. Uh, an extra 23. Yeah. Over the, over the course of all the films, got so, stung 23 not times. To, which not, is not plenty. too shabby. No, which not is, too yeah. Shabby. That's, you know, it's, it's, we talked about that this is coming post, you know, uh, the slasher wave and it's it's no easy feat the fact that he was able to create this iconic character that has withstood the test of time and been truly memorable because there were so many imitators and so many you know people Mm -hmm. who were trying to be like jason or trying to be like freddie but the fact that he was able to come along and really out the gate you know really uh, set himself apart because this is unique as opposed to some of the other movies to where it's like you know no jason really comes into his own in the third one where it's this it's like no uh, the first one is the one that resonates with people the second one maybe have has its fans here and there but the first one really is the one that kind of launched this this character to be in this kind of cult classic you know horror icon yeah yeah and and so i also mentioned like a little bit ago like i do want to get into it Candyman has a very dubious plot <laughs> Yeah. Like when you think about it, because again, he is, you know, inciting all this fear in his own neighborhood yeah. and shit to get because he understands like, OK, if Helen, you know, wants to tell my story. Oh, I'll get her to tell my story. Yeah. Does this whole thing. So he so he he starts the he, he stirs up the trouble, kills a few people in the neighborhood Gets mm-hmm. a blame on the gang people. Yeah. And then thinking that she's on top and she's a hero now. But no, people are talking about Candyman again. Yeah. So it's all good. Mm-hmm. So he then is seducing her. And I can't tell if he actually wants her or not. Or if he is just manipulating her with his his, his sex charms to just get her to continue telling a story. Yeah. Unclear of his uh actual intentions with helen and then he also steals a baby he does to to and decapitates a dog mind you, you decapitates know. a dog not yeah. cool not cool at all so not cool and and then and then like i said literally spends the rest of the movie just gaslighting her making yeah. her go crazy yeah. and like it, those movies frustrate me so much like um one of the movies i'll talk about in the outro but then like i mean like um, I always tell people if they don't understand what gaslighting is, watch Rosemary's Baby because that's literally that entire yeah. movie. Or watch like, Gaslight, the Ingrid Bergman movie. <laughs> which never is seen the, that one. It's where it comes from. That's where the term comes oh, from. Yeah, oh. yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's just, that's Thank where you it for does. That. Well, now you know. I do need to. I do need to see where it comes from. Yeah, but yeah, but I love like he is. He's a he's a petty little mofo. Like you mm-hmm. know, he just yeah. like comes up. He'll he'll he's floating above her and just like kind of taunting her. He's always in her head talking, and um, like he and he really does like you know break her down, like get her on his side. But but then it, I have a question at the end of this movie. Mm-hmm. I can't tell if it's like an editing mistake or something. Maybe. Okay. But so eventually after so he. So she calls for him to prove to the psychiatrist that she's not crazy. Yes. And then he comes in, kills the psychiatrist. Dude gets smoked. Yeah. And he actually gets like fucked. Yeah. Like in that scene, again, very, that's like such a sexual kill. He's literally just has his hook. He's like, and it's hilarious. Bending him over the desk and everything. Yeah. And then let's Helen out of the hospital. Let's her to escape. 
and then leads her to go find the baby. And when she goes to go find him a baby, mm-hmm. he's lying on a on a slab sleeping. And then it opened up so many questions. I was like, like Candyman is lying on the slab, you mean? Or yeah. The, yeah. Yeah, Candyman is. Yeah. And she like comes in and he like gets up and then like then they like start their thing. And I was like, were they supposed to like cut the scene earlier and he was just supposed to already be like standing there or something? Because Candyman's a ghost. Why is yeah. he sleeping on the job? You know, I don't know. Like, that's a, it's a good question. But I think they're, you know, generally like a, a lot of his his choices in this movie, I think, are to kind of the, the gaslighting, especially is to kind of break down Helen in a way that he is allowing himself to kind of fully uh, imbue himself in her. If that's the mm-hmm. word you want to use, which is also kind of inherently sexual um, that like he is kind of allowing her to become this new urban legend in herself to where the movie ends and she kind of is this this creature too um yeah so i think a lot of it is you know you've got kind of this sleeping beauty seal it with a kiss kind of thing you know which Mm -hmm. he kind of does and it's just this nightmare kind of version of it with they were supposed to they were supposed to actually kiss yeah but then the studio was like whoa 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 we can't. We we already got this black man seduced in the white woman. We can't have her actually have kiss, her. kiss her. That'd be too that's, much. That's too much. Me? Yeah. Which after is, he just like ripped a man in twain with a hook. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's insane. Um, insane because they like did shoot a scene for it and then they cut it. Yeah. But then they also, um, scenes that were added afterwards were the funeral scene and the Helen yeah. scene in the apartment were both added. Like it was supposed to literally just supposed to end with Helen burning in the fire. Yeah. Which, I think, which yeah i think is i i, I like uh, the the mirror thing i can kind of do without it's it kind of takes focus away that would be Candyman. like a fine like post credit scene maybe i guess <laughs> but i do like the funeral that you've got this entire group of people who know the legend of this and believe the legend of this because they've lived it and they have that shared experience versus whoever comes for helen it's like uh trevor and then his grad student that he's boning on the side you know and then like a couple of other people but for the most part her funeral is kind of empty um Mm -hmm. but the fact that this entire neighborhood you know understands the sacrifice that she made to save this kid and and do come to her her funeral i do think is is powerful but yeah you know the i get what they're doing where she's kind of got like this little beehive kind of cone on her head you know like i get what they're (laughs) going for it's just not my favorite yeah, I mean, I'm split on the end because, like, I mean, yeah, I love the image of, like, the neighborhood, like, walking in a procession into her yeah. funeral. It looks cool. Um, you know, little Jake throwing the hook into the into the uh, casket. Do you think that that's what, that's what did it? You know, the fact that the hook is in there now that she is kind of doomed forever to do it? Or do you think she would have been fine pre-hook? Well, I mean, I think... Well, I think in the end, Candyman wins because yeah she kills him but also people you know jake knows the truth because i think jake's the only one that knows the truth like because at the same time like the rest of the neighborhood doesn't know that she sacrificed herself to save the baby they still think that she kidnapped the baby right so it's like he successfully frames her for shit um because i mean and they you know do confirm that in came in 2021 that everybody just thought helen went crazy and killed people yeah. so like that's what everybody else thinks you yeah. know so like yeah maybe this neighborhood does is the ones that know the truth um i think so this, otherwise why would they be there you know 
I guess. Well, I, the hook is there. I think they would see that. I guess be they like, believe oh, shit, Jake. Some, some stuff went down, you know? Yeah. I guess they believe Jake, but I mean, but Candyman at the end, he wanted Helen dead because like, yeah, so I don't know. I'm kind of split on it because I, I, I like bleak, tragic endings like that too. Yeah. I would have been fine with her totally. getting lit on fire and yeah. then the movie be over. I would have been totally fine with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and they're going for the, and I think they, I guess, did have like sort of plans to do like have Helen in the sequel or they were maybe going to do a spinoff of just Helen as the, yeah. like, um, whatever her spirit is now. Well, she's just, just Helen. She's just Helen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which all Trevor like, does is go Helen, Helen. Yeah. I mean, I, that's at least Bloody Mary or Candyman. You got yeah. like a cool name. It's like, have you heard the legend of Helen? It's just like, <laughs> all right, no. <laughs> um, I mean, at least, um, Trevor did die because fuck Trevor. Trevor's yeah, Trevor one of the sucks. worst, one of the worst movie boyfriends or movie husbands, but he like yeah. doesn't even act like a husband. Dude One of sucks. the worst movie husbands yeah. of all time. Um, but yeah, so um, I'm kind of I'm kind of split on it. Um, but you know, some of the last things as far as like some of the style and like some of the kills. Um, this movie isn't um, the movie is really good about not being super graphic with a lot of the kills. Like yeah. a lot of the kills are off screen, but then mm-hmm. we kind of see the aftermath. Yeah. And I like. The way that they do it with, you know, how Helen is being hypnotized by him and then she blacks out and then wakes up. So, again, also some crazy shit. Candyman is like hypnotizing her, making her black out, killing, setting her up. Yeah. He's like running around, (laughs) setting her up. I wonder how that works, you know. And then he yeets himself out of a window and disappears. Well, you also (laughs) get that kind of scary story, you know, around the campfire thing to where it's like, and then he walked in the room and his hair turned white because it's so scary, you know. So you do kind of get that mystery of like, God, what did they walk into? And then you get to see it at the end where it's like, yeah, your you know your taint to your neck is just completely ripped by a big metal hook. It's like yeah, it's pretty spooky shit. <laughs> yeah, but also like the scenes, just like of the the scene where you know the dog's head is cut off and she wakes up in uh, Emery's uh, apartment, and yeah. then the second time too when it's Bernadette, and then she just like wakes up and she's like covered yeah. in this pool of blood. Yeah, and Anne Marie uh, is losing her goddamn mind. Like oh, she man. like when she's like slamming her head on the on the floor, I'm like. She's she's going crazy, which is like it's great, you know. Shout out Vanessa Williams. She yeah, she was she's doing terrific. it. Also, one of the best parts of the the new movie as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, so you know, again, I guess you know people don't associate him as much with like you know typical slashers. He doesn't have like the um, as memorable of kills. But I don't need yeah. the kills in this because I love like these set pieces that are just set up yeah. as this like seduction this like hit mid you know yeah. hypnotizing part. do the like, uh do the sequels get any more graphic because the new one is is pretty brutal no the new one is definitely the most brutal yeah the other ones it's kind of same thing same like thing. Okay. we get maybe more kills yeah yeah we get more kills in the sequels but definitely yeah. not um not yeah this, more showy the, the new ones is pretty yeah, I mean, wild. I will yeah. give the new one the edge there. Like it has yeah. um, not only, you know, in the brutality of it, but then using um, some aspects. I wish this movie did use more aspects of like, you know, every time that like Candyman's floating in this movie, it's always very unnerving. I yeah. wish they did more with that. Yeah. Like have him just levitating the entire movie. Ooh. Like, spooky, I don't know. Yeah. And they did that in the new one. I always thought that was um, kind of cool. And then like the new movie uses like reflections and shadows. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, maybe the budget was, uh, budget was $9 million. So they're like, you know, you got to set up rigging and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I can understand how they do like, or he could just walk around, you know? <laughs> yeah. But again, I like that we do get just like, you know, hit all these scenes of Helen being hypnotized and then like, just like how waking up in this situation, which is yeah. like, you know, also scary for, you know, women in general of like waking up with no recollection totally. of how you got somewhere like that's yeah. pretty damn scary on yeah. that level as well. And so. there's a dog's head over there. Oh, yeah. I mean, Talk about that's nightmare. one, one thing I can't get behind with K man. Like you can't, you can't do it to the doggos. Yeah. Like big old pooch just minding like its own you business. You and Michael, you guys are special kinds of assholes. No, they would be the ones to get along. Pinhead would be like, come on, man. Like, yeah, I think Pinhead is like, I'm a sadist, but Jesus, yeah. like, <laughs> you know, like, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I like you even, um, I didn't get to mention it earlier. Um, one of the scenes that I really love, and this isn't like a set piece or anything, but mm-hmm. it really sets up Helen, but also does like kind of start sprinkling in some of the stuff that we'd see later is like whenever her and Trevor are out to dinner with Purcell. Yeah. And, um, you know, Purcell is like, you know, being a pompous fuck and then she decides to just be, but then she says the, just the dumbest thing ever. Like instead of being like, like he's like offering help and she's like taking it in a condescending way. Yeah. And she's like, instead of accepting help, like, well, we're going to bury you. Yeah. And then he literally goes, bitch, do you even know the story? And then she's like, Nah, no, I don't. Yeah, nah, I don't. And then he goes, "Why well, you gotta bury me?" And then like you know, tells the story. Yeah. And even while he's telling the story, this is like the first instinct of Helen, like having going into that hypnotic state. Yeah, which I find interesting because it's not even Candyman's voice. We don't see Candyman yet. This is literally just the story of Candyman yeah. Yeah. is enough to put her under, which I yeah. find really interesting. Yeah, it is kind of this Bride of Frankenstein thing to where there is kind of this tragic and horrible and sick twisted kind of romance that happens here and then he you know i as much as i think the ending is a little silly i do think it kind of fits into that of where like at the end of the movie it's like look what he's made you know and like look at this creation that he's made and you know i I gotta ask though like i don't think if his goal is to continue his name and to continue the legend of Candyman, i feel like if you were to make the legend of helen i feel like you're kind of diverting the the legend you know what i mean like you think you'd want to stay focused no, on the candy it, it, it legend. was still about it was still about his legend at yeah. the end of the day like i'm like and maybe it's either a like at the end of the day he still cared about his, his legend but then was like yeah oh, i mean it might be nice to have someone else yeah like, you know might right. be cool. can you imagine if kids are like talking and they're like have you heard the legend of <laughs> helen and Candyman's like god Dang it, man. That was my territory. Those are my kids. And then Helen's the one that's spooking them up now. Just Helen. She's like, yeah, the legend of Helen. Now she's getting like all of the, all of the, you know, the clout. And he's just back there just kind of twiddling his little, his little hook, you know? His hook in his thumb. Um, The sequels do go into, they try to go into more his legacy, his family legacy. And I will say in the, in the sequels, they, or at least in the second one, especially they mm-hmm. lean more into making Candyman more tragic. And like, he is still very tragic, has the tragic backstory, yeah. but he's doing more vile shit in this one. So it's kind of yeah. harder, but like they really kind of lean more yeah. into, I believe in the sequel, they actually show. Yeah. His, they actually show yeah, it. Yeah. yeah we yeah, don't yeah. just get the story. They show it. Yeah. And, um, I'm pretty sure I actually saw the second one before I saw the first one gotcha. whenever I was younger, I think. Because I remember, right. I always remembered the, um, 
I always remembered the flashback scene of like how it happened. Yeah. But then whenever I had like hadn't watched this one in like a few years, I rewatched it. I go, yeah. Hey, where's the scene? Yeah. And I was like, Oh, that's in the second one. Right. And, um, the third one attempts to go into some like cult of Candyman type shit, mm-hmm. which I think typical would work perfect. <laughs> Like, that's what I thought came in 2021 was good going to. Yeah. I thought we were going to go into some, like, cult of Candyman type shit with Anthony turning into the new Candyman and, like, there being some sort of... And, like, it... And with the idea of, like, him being an artist and, like, they kind of went with that with, like, yeah. it being a, like... Like, what if Candyman was, like, a viral sensation, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. so, like, that idea was interesting, but, like, obviously they didn't go into the social media part, but in yeah. the third one they tried doing, like you know, these people that are like followers of totally. the legend and stuff yeah. like that. So. Yeah. I, I think the, you know, I can't speak for the other sequels, but I like the idea, like I said, that the new one talks about kind of that inherited violence and that, you know, the violence that was uh, perpetrated against your ancestors is going to affect you too. And it's not just something that happened a long time ago. It's still happening currently with mm-hmm. the police brutality angle. So yeah, I think that that's um, something really uh, interesting. Will we get a Candyman too? I guess what it would be called or it'd probably have a little title there. Um, but if we were to get another one with Yab Dulmatine um, being Candyman, um, maybe they can address um, some uh, more ideas and more, more themes a little bit more deeply here. Um, but you know, I, the, that remains to be seen whether we're going to be able to re- revisit that character. I'd be happy to, I would be uh, happy to see more. I, I don't really care to revisit that character what I think would be interesting because I think they're gonna make another one mm-hmm. because it did pretty well. Um, it, what would be interesting is okay, like let's get out of Chicago, let's explore some other neighborhoods, yeah, where other instances of candy men are happening because you know they talked about like that there have been you know other versions of Candyman, but yeah. like we really only get the the newer version of yeah. the um, I forget what his name. See, he doesn't even have a, a a name like Daniel Robitaille. Andrew? Wait, is that no the no like the the guy that got his ass kicked by the police that got beat to death by the police? Oh, I don't remember. Like that Candyman. Yes, yes, I don't. I, I, I don't remember the name. I'm terrible with names anyway. But, but so they introduced that idea of like, oh yeah, it's like like being a mantle almost. Yeah. Like, you know, kind of like yeah. some ghost face shit. Which I think is, is, is really so interesting. So yeah. I think that would be interesting. Like what if they like did a movie where it's like they're like focusing on like two or three neighborhoods that are all dealing with like their own version yeah, of Candyman. Sure. Yeah. Like in a Mexican neighborhood and then and then in, in Chinatown. And yeah. Like, in Glendale. And then in Glendale. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that would be, I think that'd be interesting. I yeah. don't know. Um, and I would like to see like a movie where we see like five different iterations of Candyman in a movie. Like, yeah. I think that'd be cool. And yeah. I'm like, sure, you can bring Anthony's version back if you sure. want. Maybe. Sure. Yeah. I, I would just hate for this series, which has historically been about black people to shift away from that, you know, and if we are going to get a Mexican Candyman, I would almost prefer to like just see a different story you know like yeah seeing which, like mexican horror movies like which they, we have they, they seen. have their own little you know the yeah. La, uh, La, La, La Llorona. Llorona. They, had, a, yeah. had a hell of a year two years had ago like had like four, four movies yeah, yeah. <laughs> so she's uh, popping off she's got her you know screw the legend of helen you've got the curse of la llorona she's you know she's stealing all the all the all the clout there <laughs> true that um you got anything else for the movie i mean i could talk about this movie for 
days. Um, I've written a lot of articles on this. So yeah. like if you even want more specific stuff, you guys could read that stuff. Yeah, but, sure. um, but yeah, I, I just, I love this movie. I really do. Like it, I love the mood and the tone of yeah. it. Yeah. Like I put it on the background quite often, obviously for the score and like just listening to totally. Tony Todd's, you know, voice lull me to sleep. Um, and again, like it's, it just, the, having this character you know is like nice like even if the sequels aren't what i want them to be tony Todd is still fantastic in all of them yeah we, and just the fact that you know when you are naming off some of the you know biggest names in horror you know Candyman does come into those conversations yeah. and which is super awesome for me being a fan of the genre mm-hmm. um but also i do think it's um a movie that holds up a lot better than people think it's like you know i feel like we even kind of you know did we we nitpicked the things that we needed to because there are you know sure. um you know critiques of the movie that are valid and you know deserve to be talked about as far as like the themes go but at the same time like i can me me personally even as a person of color like i can still sit back and watch this movie and, you know, not feel like I'm getting shortchanged in that department while also I still get just a horror movie where it is just a spooky boogeyman, you know, seducing a woman and, and trying to frame her and like putting her through all this stuff. Like I'm into all that stuff still more than I am into like, you know, the stuff that they're investigating in the first act. So yeah, I get a lot of that. I love that. Love the style. Love this movie. Yeah. You know, like we talked about coming uh, right out of the 80s where there was such a plethora of not just horror movies, but, you know, kind of mysterious guys wielding some sharp weapon, killing people. You know, the fact that this movie was able to differentiate itself uh, stylistically even is, is really unique. This movie has such a unique feeling and tone to it. And the score, too, also gives it this really... Uh, frightening quality to it um, and I think that you know it, it is a shame uh, but it's kind of expectedly so that when you have a movie like this that does kind of you know proclaim that it's going to be about something a little bit deeper versus just your oogie boogie killing people you know kind of stuff um, it, it's going to kind of inherently open itself up to criticism and people are going to say okay if you want to look at it at an area like racism which is very complicated especially gentrification and black people's portrayal and horror and all that kind of stuff it you're going to open yourself up to it's like okay well if you want to open this box let's open it you know let's see what you have to say so I get all of that um, and and all the 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 wear and tear that this movie does have for me, but I also really do appreciate uh, the significance of this movie and what it means in the, you know, in the pantheon of black horror uh, and not, you know, uh, an insignificant amount of that is due in part to Tony Todd's performance as this character and is one of those, you know, uh, is, is one of those roles that it is like a big shoes to fill if someone else, uh, you know, mm-hmm. like Yabdul Mateen coming along and trying to fill those shoes. It is because Tony Todd puts so much of himself into this. Um, and it's a really unique take on this. Um, and you know, if you are to do uh, a marathon of, of the, you know, uh, all the different kind of movies that are in the slasher genre, I think this one has such a unique kind of 
flavor to it mm-hmm. and it's such a unique kind of palette mm-hmm. that you know really yeah it really does differentiate itself the sequels you know um, maybe not as much i haven't seen them so i can't really say uh but as far as this one right here yeah it it really is kind of this um uh impressive and sometimes thoughtful but also really effectively creepy and, and eerie uh horror movie yeah Flavor is a good word because this movie does have a lot of flavor. Oh, yeah. You know, it's a scrumptious movie. Candyman's voice is so sumptuous. Oh, yeah. I didn't do any research beforehand, but I'm curious on the porn parodies of this movie. Oh, jeez. Because, <laughs> I mean, he's got, again, some very sexual lines in this because every time he, you know, appears in the parking lot and he just goes, Helen. I came for you. I'm like, man, what a gentleman. What a gentleman. lady. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Always putting her first. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if if he's like wielding like a dildo hand or something like that. That'd be pretty. That'd be pretty fucking messed up. I don't know about that. That would be hilarious. Oh, my gosh. There has to. There has to be. Yeah. Because there's like there's in there's like so many different screen porn parodies. There's like a ton ton of them. Um, Yeah. There's one called Just Cream. The scream. Um, I get it. Like yeah. there's a there's a there's a bunch of them. Um, I'm trying to think of like a clever name for Candyman other than like Candy Men, and it's like a bunch of them. I don't know, mm, maybe, but you yeah, know, we'll see. And to close out the episode, um, we'll go ahead and hit some movie math on some movies that we see within this movie and um, that you could also watch if you are, you know, in the mood for something similar. Uh, Garrett, what do you got? So uh, I'm, I'm going to be a, a little angry with you because you took the one that it is, like the, the one that you included in the movie math, the yeah. one in particular. It's like, yep, that's the one. Okay, I, That's why I made sure to get mine in first. <laughs> um, so I am taking uh, uh, to, to cover the areas that are maybe not covered in yours because um, I do feel like if you add it all up, four of these, it's literally Candyman. Like, uh, so I put in the Boogeyman just because you've kind of got that idea of that, you know, uh, you know, uh, a verbally told story that's, you know, told by mouth and, 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 you know, passed along through people of that kind of that mythic, uh, the boogeyman to where it's, you know, have you heard the, the legend of, of, you know, kind of fill in the blank. So you have that kind of uh, mythology to this movie. Um, and then you have, I, this is a weird one. So bear with me. I added the last black man of San Francisco, which is yeah, like, I was like an indie drama movie, mm-hmm. but it does, that movie does deal a lot with, uh, uh gentrification mm-hmm. and kind of the, the horror in and of itself of watching your neighborhood disappear and something mm. that you felt like was yours that is no longer yours and has been reclaimed by others. Um, so tone style, not really any kind of similarities there, but in regards to subject matter, uh, that movie and this do have a lot of overlap, but like I said, you kind of took the right one, so I'll let you. I'll let it slide this time. <laughs> yeah, that's why I made sure to get mine in first because uh, I figured it would be um, one of them. I actually was gonna pick something else for that, but then I was like, you know, obviously, Phantom of the Opera makes which the, is the one that I makes was the most sense. To. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, between the look of the characters, um, the you know gothic romance angle of it, and yeah. then even the you know score as well of this yeah. movie being takes her yeah. back to his lair and everything. Yeah, takes her back to his thing. lair. Yeah, yeah. But like, I mean, we got organs, we got vocal, oh, yeah. we got choirs in yeah. the in the score. I mean, it's very. I mean, Candyman is. Um, operatic um in many yeah. ways so definitely family opera is there 
Um, I put in Steven Soberg's Unsane. Yeah. That came out um, mm-hmm. a few years ago. Um, it, again, like a movie of someone just being gaslit, you yeah. know, to death, and it's so frustrating. But this movie does, I think, the best job I've seen in a while of the like, you know, because, you know, in a, in a movie typically it's, oh, uh, you know, is she crazy? Is she not crazy? Is it actually happening? What's going yeah. on? Yeah. And then it, uh, you know, Eight out of ten times, it's no, it's actually happening. Yeah. Um, but this movie does such an interesting job because, I mean, obviously the, at the time it was released, there was, you know, kind of commentary on the Me Too movement. Sure. As well. Yeah. So there's like kind of, you know, taking some of um, topics from that conversation into mm-hmm. this movie um, and doing a little bit of commentary there, but does a really good job of like really, uh, stretching the mystery out throughout this movie. Totally. Yeah. And then like it did a thing to me that have you seen it? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I, I won't spoil it for you guys cause it is a fun movie to watch. You should check it out. But like when it got to the end, I was like, ah, I, I really thought that blah, blah. blah. And yeah. then, um, the person I was watching was, was like, yeah, but that's what the movie wanted you to think. Yeah, and I was of, like, ah, uh, they got me. Lots of red herrings <laughs> and, you know, you know, sleight of hand kind of stuff for sure. Yeah. And, um, also got shout out urban legend, mm-hmm. um, as well that, which came out later. So, you know, I would think would be taking some cues from Candyman, but yeah. more just in the way of, you know, obviously urban legends and stories, um, the way that they work and incite fear for people. I was also going to shout out um, in the in the subgenre part. So it's like that's what I meant to uh, shout because yeah. I was going to say obviously we got like the slasher angle, we got the mm-hmm. gothic romance, and this movie is kind of folk horror when you think about it. Yeah, but it's like urban folk horror. Yeah, because you know of the way that the myth, the way that the myth of Candyman works. Um, it has a has a folky vibe to it. Totally. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, that definitely that idea of the 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 shared kind of uh, uh, story and the legend of Candyman is what gives him his power and keeps the story with with standing. And I just realized we're contributing to it right now to, by talking about this movie. So mm-hmm. Candyman out there is somebody's listening to this and they're going to try it tonight. And Candyman's going to get him. So we warned you. Don't do it. Don't, we don't we don't mess around I, with that I shit. I didn't even realize I've had this. Got the mirror I forgot here the, whole the time. giant mirror right next to yeah. us. While we're well, if I if I kick the bucket, somebody feed my cat, please. We're screwed. <laughs> we're screwed. Cal, you're on your own. <laughs> but yeah, so that'll close the book on Candyman for now. Maybe we might look into some other stuff later, but I doubt it. Um, next up, we will have our first guest of the new season. Very excited for that. Uh, we'll be talking Abby from 1974. So if you haven't seen that movie, which I'm sure you probably haven't, I yeah. haven't. I'd never heard of it, which is uh, very excited. I'm I'm so yeah. thrilled to dive yeah. into this. I, I love like I like doing the stuff. more yeah. yeah I like doing the more obscure movies. So yeah. um, I also if, have a guest, so it's not just you and I yapping on for two hours. Yeah. <laughs> so if you guys want to uh, check that out, um, I would recommend it before listening to the next episode. But very excited to continue um, these conversations mm-hmm. um, uh, that you know typically come up when we're talking black horror cinema and kind of unpacking uh, some of this stuff. So I'm very excited. Um, Garrett, what do you got going on right now? Uh, nothing much, but you can find me on uh, YouTube, Twitter, uh, Letterboxd at Garrett McDowell. I've also got another podcast that is one of my other passions that is Star Wars. That's the Scum and Villainy podcast. And we just put out two new episodes this week talking about the book of Boba Fett. Lots to discuss there. 
so you can check me out anywhere there. YouTube's a little uh, shy on the feed right now. Not a lot of new stuff coming out, but there is some more things coming out in February that I'm excited to talk to you guys all about. Yes, super excited for all that. Um, I am on Twitter and Instagram at underscore daddy disco. Um, you can also, I will be popping up on another horror podcast, the pod and the pendulum. Um, they are kind of doing like a rotating panel style with their show now. So I'll be kind of hopping in on that here and there. Um, we just did a child's play episode. Um, I'll be hopping in for a few more of the Chucky episodes. And we also kind of did like a shoot the shit episode where I talked about, um, behind the mask of Leslie Vernon in yellow jackets. Nice. So I need, um, I need to watch yellow jackets. I haven't checked it out. Oh, yeah. You need to watch it. Dude. I'm so behind on TV. I, I'm, I caught up on succession and then I was like, great. I did that. Oh shit. Now Ozark is out. Okay. I got to watch I that. And yeah, I don't watch like TV shows like at all. So yeah. like whenever I pick a sh- series, that means it's special. So yellow, yellow jackets, jackets has to be top of the priority list. Yellow we'll jackets scoot over is, Ted Lasso. I got to I mean, watch yellow jackets now. I guarantee you, you'll watch the first episode and you'll watch all of it in a weekend okay great i, I love gar- stuff like i guarantee that. Yeah. it so okay now that's got to be in the priority great thanks thanks buddy yeah <laughs> of course so yeah make sure you uh check out that podcast it's super fun and i also have another podcast breaking ways where we talk about music and interview artists out here in los angeles uh check us out on beta wave tv And lastly, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please give us a five-star rating so that way we can, you know, start jumping on some lists and invading other people's podcast feeds. And, um, you know, I want them ear holes, damn it. So (laughs) go on there, leave us five stars and a review. That would be fantastic. But that's going to go ahead and do it for this week's episode of the Blade Blunt Cinema Club. New episodes drop every Tuesday. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bloody Blunts Pod. And until next time, stay lifted. 